Hey, Collective Church, this is Pastor Ryan coming to you for uh, one of what we're hoping might be a few little one-off podcasts that we're going to be doing in the midst of this crazy season uh, as COVID-19 uh, continues uh, to impact not only our city, but the world at large. And many of us are living in this uh, new normal with the safer at home order. What we wanted to do was try to have some conversations uh, around this moment and how we can respond to it as followers of Jesus. Specifically for this week, we want to talk around the topic of emotional and mental health uh, in this moment. And so uh, we're bringing a friend of the church, not friend of the church, member of Collective Church and a therapist on the West Side, uh, Wally Hirsch. Wally, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Ryan. It's good to see you. Good. Well, thank you uh, for jumping in. For most of the listeners, they're going to be people that know you, people as a part of Collective. And so we, we won't jump around too much introducing one another. Um, what I wanted to do is kind of just have a little mini kind of therapy session with you uh, on behalf of, for myself, one, selfishly, and, and <laughs> two, for our people, of just some of the questions that we're asking. How can we manage stress and anxiety and all these sorts of questions in the season. So we just got a, a, a couple of questions and really just kind of um, ask you to um, give us your input on that, how you would kind of counsel us if we were sitting down with you. Um, and I may even um, have some pastoral thoughts or whatever, but really wanted to hear from you in the midst of this. So, so we'll begin with our first question. In the midst of this moment, uh, I know I find myself, and, and I know many of our people do find that this is ramping up our anxiety, which just brings up the question, what can we do in those moments when we find anxiety or even panic coming out, like right in the moment? Um, so I, I remember a couple of weeks ago at the grocery store, um, trying to stock up for the week and there being absolutely no eggs. Mm -hmm. And uh, on one hand, I, I began to get all like um, anxious and I felt my body begin to tense up. And I started having almost like this hoarding mentality that as I moved on from the eggs and I got to the broccoli, I was like I, I, a temptation to take far more than I needed mm -hmm. all out of this, this fear. What uh, would you counsel for us when we find ourselves in those moments when you know, the, the red light is blaring and, and we can begin to kind of fear, feel that fear welling up within us. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like thinking about this moment that we're in, it's like a collective um, experience that we all are sharing in. And so those, fee those feelings of fear and anxiety, uh, I think are things that everyone is feeling in different moments. Uh, and at different times and just even your story of being at the grocery store like I felt that last night at the grocery store and I can only imagine like how many other people experienced that and you know I was just thinking about how like there's this psychology of like when you see that there are other people stocking up on food or when mm. I see that the grocery store sh shelves are like kind of empty it creates in me this like fear that like I need to like respond and um, I had every intention of going to the grocery store to get like five items last night I was like I'm not going to buy into it and I totally walked out with like a basket full of stuff and I didn't need it. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's just, it's silly, you know? And um, I think that happens a lot when we are um, like overcome with fear or anxiety where um, we allow that, those emotions, that, that spinning of our mind to, um, to kind of take control. And so you go, well, how do I like take control back, you know? And Ryan, I loved how you talked about like you could feel it in your body 
Mm. And um, even for me right now, thinking about my trip to the grocery store, like I feel that anxiety inside of me, like it comes back right now. And I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. You know? And totally. so for me, like I feel it in my chest. And like, I think for all of us, we feel different feelings in different parts of our bodies. And so to recognize uh, when we're feeling that way, sometimes our bodies will give us little clues before our minds recognize what we're actually experiencing. And so when you recognize that something feels off physically, um, sometimes that can be a little like indicator to pause and just go like, what am I feeling? Mm -hmm. like, what's up with that? And um, I think the first step is really just acknowledging and going, yeah. this sucks. Like, I don't like how I feel, or I do feel anxious, or I yeah. feel afraid. And um, I think that recognition is maybe the, like, the healthiest like, first initial step that we can do. Um, there, are, there are like a whole host of like bag of tricks things that we can do to try and calm ourselves down. Um, but I think for some of us, our instinct is just to like push it down and like avoid yeah. it and go like, yeah. oh, that's, that's nothing. Forget it. Like I'm, I'm just gonna go to the grocery store anyways, or I'm just gonna stay at home and like yeah. wait this thing out. And um, I think in order to like um, to move through anxiety or fear, it requires us to go through it, not to like, step back and avoid it mm -hmm. um and so you know you ask this practical question of like well what do i do when i feel that you know for me like taking a big breath and um kind of focusing on my breath for a moment like this sounds kind of silly maybe but like i physiologically feel different when i breathe into my nose and i uh, i blow it out to my mouth kind of slow and for yeah. some people like that creates maybe stress by doing that so you know take it or leave it with a, a grain of salt, right. Of how it works for you. But yeah. you know, that's something that like I do where in the moment when I'm feeling just a little at unease, like it allows my body to, to physiologically kind of like reset. It's really good. That's helpful. It's, it's crazy how much just stopping and being still, I mean, it goes back to like our silence and solitude, like yeah. teaching series is not just on a daily basis, but in moments how much just stopping and breathing and just kind of focusing on our own bodies and kind of bringing ourselves back to where we're at and inviting Jesus into that space with us. We talked really about that a little, yeah. We talked about that a little bit earlier before we hopped on this of just like how Jesus is like such a strong model for us of like, mm -hmm. what do I do in this moment? And while, you know, while Jesus didn't experience like COVID-19, 2000 years ago, like he yeah. experiences like the fear and the anxiety that we experience today. Yeah. And he has a, a path for us to follow in that of, you know, even like his retreat, um, you know, right before the time of his like crucifixion to, to yeah. be with the father, to spend time alone, to, to pray and to like reset. Yeah. Um, is a healthy practice. That's really good. I just, yeah. How much I think sometimes we focus on if I'm going to do, get alone and be quiet and still or whatever. It's got to be this, you know, yoga retreat and it's got to be a 45 minute thing. And even just stopping throughout the day um, allows there to be some kind of, you know, the God of all peace to meet us in those moments of anxiety. Yeah. Closing um, your computer really screen, your browser, yeah. turning off, you know, taking the headphones out just for a moment, even if that's, that's all you can give uh, is yeah. a win. 
That's really good. So as we move on to the next question, uh, how can we acknowledge the, the reality of what's really going on uh, in the midst of pandemic and government and all of this craziness? How can we acknowledge all of that while also not becoming overwhelmed by it all? Mm. Because it seems to me that for most people, we're prone to one of two things. One is the um, I'm just going to either everything's fine and this is all a big overreaction, which sometimes has political content, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe not that, but just um, everything's going crazy. I'm going to drown it out with substances or binging on Netflix or video games or whatever, of which, you know, we're all guilty of doing. On the other side is the constant monitoring. I'm like on Netflix, you know, not Netflix, but I'm on the new, my news app or checking in on the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm hyperly aware. And it seems like neither of those lead to us being able to flourish and find peace. And so how would you kind of counsel if you had two people in front of you, one person who's um, running from it, either in distractions or substances or pretending that none of this is real, but on the same hand, someone that's constantly, um, you know, hypervigilance was the word you used, which is great. If you had those two people, what would be kind of the recommendation you would give for, for each of them? Yeah, you know, I think as people, like, we're really good at gravitating towards the polls sometimes, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, with politics or, um, like, eating or drinking or, um, like, you know, making money. Like it's, it's like all or nothing for us, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I think even with, um, like, our fears, it can be all or nothing, too, where you completely avoid and you discredit what's going on around you. Um, or you, um, you magnify it to a point that it becomes like all consuming and, um, neither of those are completely healthy. Right. Um, they serve a purpose in the sense that it brings awareness to maybe like what you're experiencing. If you can like get to that point and step out and go like, man, I'm so hyper-focused on this or everyone around me is afraid, but like I am out partying still in like doing like whatever it is I want to do to avoid like the reality of the world that we're in, you know? And so like, how do you like, how do you wind up in the middle? You know, I think a piece of it is like reality testing and asking yourself and ha- maybe having someone ask you because sometimes we're not very good at this ourselves, right? And going, yeah. gosh, everyone around me is like freaking out, but like I could, like I don't even care. Like, is that a normal response or am I avoiding something, right? You yeah. kind of have to ask yourself that. And, and the same is true where if, you know, you do find yourself to be really fearful, um, and maybe like hyper-focused, you know, maybe take stock of that and go, you know, is this healthy for me? Um, am I avoiding, you know, kind of the middle, um, similar to the person on the other side that maybe avoids the seriousness of the situation by being so consumed with uh, media or information or um, where you're at? Um, that too could be a, uh, an indicator of maybe like all-consuming fear or fear that is really yeah. great. And that's not to say that you should live recklessly right? And not take guidance from, you know, um, our leaders around us or our government officials, or even just, you know, your own, your own, your own personal gut. If you are living with someone that's elderly or sick, you know, take, take heart and like, listen to that. Um, But I think the piece that's the most important is like the recognition of like, if it's becoming all consuming um, and maybe like reality testing within that, or at least like talking to someone about it, you know, I'm not very good at, um, like looking in at myself sometimes. And so to have a buddy uh, or someone by my side that goes, you know, is that completely true or accurate? Or like, how do you feel in that? Um, It can be helpful to have someone, you know, by your side do that. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm laughing because it's so true and I hate it. Um, whether that's friendships or, you know, uh, you know, a spouse, like when my wife, Erin was, it was in week one when we were really starting to get into, and I think right before the lockdown or right at the beginning of, of kind of the, you know, the, the safer at home stuff. And it was like, you know, throughout the day I was constantly monitoring stuff. And Aaron was the one that kind of pointed out like, Hey, you know, how's that going for you <laughs> kind of a thing. <laughs> and it was so angry because I, I immediately res- knew she was right. You know, that this is not doing me any good. And yet this is my one little way of trying to feel control right now yeah. as opposed to trusting God. And um, yeah, I'm totally with that. <laughs> that's, I love that language of the a reality check. The image that came to mind is almost like that of a check engine light mm. where it's a, these, these things of either that hypervigilant or that completely, de- like if we feel like we're completely detracting or, or what sort of looking for. Disengaged or uh, disengaged. Yeah. yeah, that's a good word. Is, is that this ought to be like a little, you know, yellow light on the dashboard that we need to pull over and we need to give the engine, like our souls, some some service right now because there's something going on. Really yeah. Cause like your car will still function with that check engine light on, you know, and it will function for quite a while, most likely, right. Your car's not going to die immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, as people like we will continue to function relatively well, potentially, um, you know, refreshing the webpage every, every other minute, yeah. um, checking our phone or, you know, the opposite side of things. And, you know, you can live like that, but it, it may not be at a, uh, like an optimal level that like God has designed us to live in or, or at. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it takes a toll in the long term. And yeah, like you said, when it, when it gets pushed, that's when, when those things begin to, we're talking now, we just became car talk. Yeah. Which, which I love listening to them, but I'm not a, a car guy. And so <laughs> we'll, we'll move on to the next question before I embarrass myself and my knowledge of cars or like uh-huh. for those of us that have children or young people in our lives, uh, they, their lives have been significantly disrupted as well with um, an absence of, of school um, mm-hmm. which is like a snow day, you know, times 10, but then also having to move to online, but not hanging out with their friends. It's just bringing up all this disruption for those of us with children. How can we talk about, um, COVID-19 about coronavirus? Because it, on one hand it is, um, disrupting things. And for mom and dad, it might be very, very scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, how, how can we talk about, um, young people, children, uh, about this in a way that is um, responsible and, and where we're parenting and we're not putting more on our children than they're meant to shoulder at their age. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of um, like, in a sense, like what we are going through is sort of like a collective trauma where um, mm. like if, you know, if someone dies in your family, like we, we all mourn together and we experience that together. Yeah, and and the same thing happens where, you know, you have to have a conversation with a child and you go, Hey, this, this person that we love is no longer with us. And, you know, how do you acknowledge that and and bring that to the front while at the same time, not scaring the child so much that they go, I'm going to die tomorrow because that may not be realistic with, you know, the situation at hand. And, uh, but it still is a reality that we have to engage. And, you know, I think when we try to avoid scary things with kids completely, like they, they see through it and they read into it and they, they become suspicious and, um, I think it makes it hard to um, have a genuine relationship, right? When we are hiding things from our children yeah. or from children. And so it's, it's finding that 
that middle ground of being honest um, that the world is different right now. And we do have to be kind of, you know, careful and protective of people that can get sick easily. And, um, you know, uh, I think a fortunate thing with, you know, at least this particular, um, you know, virus is that, you know, it seems like the science suggests that like children are relatively safe as long as they are relatively healthy and they don't have a pre-existing like health condition. And so yeah. to be able to share with the child that like you are safe and while there are others that may get sick from it, the majority of people do seem to recover okay. Um, and so you can have comfort and heart in that, but to acknowledge that like the world looks a little different right now. So we have yeah. to stay at home. Um, and Maybe there are opportunities that you can pose in that where, you know, you do get to see mom and dad more often um, in that we get to spend more time together. We are going to spend more time together. Um, but I think when we try to hide or avoid the reality of situations, um, it just leads for complications later down the road. Yeah. Um, and so I think to acknowledge the, the reality that we're in, but in a way that um, isn't scary, but genuine. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes that's helpful for us, I think, as adults to have that message too, um, to go, I get it. It's scary. I feel scared too. I don't know what's going to happen. You and me both, but we're yeah. together in this. And um, these are the things that we know and uh, we can know that we will be relatively safe or uh, that kind of thing. You don't, you don't want to promise or guarantee anything because we don't know what the Lord has for us in that. But um, I think honesty and, and genuineness uh, is a, a healthy practice uh, with any kind of trauma that we experience. Yeah. What would be, so my totally agree. My, my concern on the other side of that is, um, you know, when you hear stories about kids that were forced to grow up too fast and it was because mm. mom and dad didn't, that, that there was, it was, it was not that they were kept out from experiencing trauma and then they were blindsided at a later age, but that they kind of just like from, you know, four, the, the door was wide open to the, the, the way the world works as it were. What would you, I, I guess maybe you don't have to anything to offer, but that there is a tension there between yeah. honesty and vulnerability, but also acknowledging that this is my child, not a peer as it were, you know, my spouse or my, you know, mm -hmm. My, my yeah. therapist. <laughs> totally. Because you know? well, there, are, there are still boundaries that you have with your, with your children, yeah. right? And so um, you're right. Like there are certain guides that we, um, that some families, you know, our guardrails are, are different for each family, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think you're right. Like uh, we have to have discernment as adults um, and boundaries to, um, um, to share with children, like enough information, but not too much. Um, the other thing that I think is important to be aware of or just to like recognize is that, you know, our, our kids, like we create boundaries because boundaries create stability. Yeah, and really as adults, like we are a sense of stability for, uh, for our children. And so we can share honest and hard information while still being kind of a, a rock that our children grab onto. Mm -hmm. And while we are not the ultimate rock that they will grab onto, hopefully someday, you know, that being like Jesus um, we are a sense of like security for mm -hmm. uh, our children. So it's important to recognize that like with the boundaries that we, we place for sharing information, like we're doing that um, so that our children do have something sturdy um, to yeah. latch onto. That's um, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's helpful.
Okay, uh, this one is uh, this one's where I'm getting free therapy. Uh, <laughs> my uh, mind won't shut off, and this is not like I mean, this has been um, m- multiplied in this season, but this is always how my brain is. Mm-hmm. My mind won't shut off at night, and so I just lay awake. And in this season, it's often worrying about everything going on. I'm thinking through the implications of this on economics. I'm thinking about my grandparents. I'm thinking about people within our church and how this is affecting them and their work. And so, you know, these, the, the, oh my goodness is stack up to where, you know, I'm laying awake at night and like in this, you know, what regularly becomes the way that I fall asleep is, you know, I put on like a podcast on the volume really, really low Mm. enough that it's like engaging my attention, but then quiet enough that I actually fall asleep. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that's really, really unhealthy or not that unhealthy. I'm not sure that's what's been working for me lately. But what would be your, um, in valuing sleep, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the psalmist says that God gives to his beloved sleep. What can I do to receive the sleep that God gives me um, in, in a better way when it is anxiety and fear that keep me up at night? Yeah. You know, it's interesting, your description of like um, laying in bed and having like your thoughts spin and kind of feeling like, um, you know, you can't slow down in order to sleep. It makes me think of um, times in my life where I've just suffered from like waking up in the middle of the night and kind of having insomnia and not being able to fall back asleep uh, because my mind would be kind of just like spinning with lots of different thoughts, not necessarily about fears, but just like not being able to slow down. And laying in bed, I was in a sense like, like trapped um, because my mind was trapped. And so I was like physically stuck because my mind was stuck. Um, and so I think sometimes like physically moving to get out of that physical place of stuckness can be helpful in helping our minds to, to reset uh, and move out of a place of stuckness as well. And so if it's at night and you find yourself laying in bed, um, with your thoughts just kind of consuming. Um, I think recognizing like, I can't sleep right now. I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to do something that is um, different um, can be helpful for kind of resetting. Now that doesn't mean you should like, I think the science says that you shouldn't like go on your phone. You want to kind of avoid yeah. like blue lights and um, yeah, totally. TV, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but removing yourself from that space and reading, or if you're a, an artist drawing or painting or doing something that is, Mm-hmm. Um, just a little different for a short period of time. Um, and then going back to go to sleep to kind of re-engage with like the process mm-hmm. of sleep um, can sometimes be a healthy practice of like allowing ourselves to reset. Um, and the same is true for like when we're not trying to go to sleep, but I'm trying to, to work and my mind is just consumed with, um, you know, the world around me or like my situation of my career or my job or my family, you name it. Um, that is also like an example of kind of being stuck. And yeah. so, um, you know, if you are able to go for a walk and stay away from people or just kind of stand outside um, on a patio or a porch or, you know, to get some fresh air, um, physically moving out of a space and then reengaging can be a healthy practice or a helpful practice for um, having a quick little reset. Now, it doesn't address the full problem, right? Like that, yeah. those feelings and those thoughts that you still have, like those are still there. And like, we have to engage with them. We have to move mm-hmm. through it um, to move to the other side. We can't just avoid it. And so yeah. the practice of, you know, changing your location or your space, it's, it's a bag of tricks. It's, it's a yeah. helpful tool, but it's not the yeah. end tool. Yeah. Well, the, the, the image that even came to mind was uh, in those, in those nights, 
without even connecting what you're saying, like what has actually been really helpful for me is when I get up and I go out in the living room and I just pray through what it is that's weighing me down and like just kind of sit out there with the light, with the lights on and then kind of do that for a while until I feel like there's a sense of like, you know, that I, I have entrusted this to God and then I'm able to come back. And so it's funny that you, um, that in the midst of, you know, whether that's drawing or maybe that's journaling, we can actually unify this, this bag, this trick in the bag with spiritual practices of prayer or whatever that can be really, really helpful. Um, it's helpful. A uh, couple more um, little quick ones, and then um, we'll we'll wrap up and we'll we'll get on to the rest of our day, and and our, you guys will get on to the rest of yours. So, being locked up, <laughs> for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, with anybody for a significant period of time can lead to a lot of stress, impatience, and even fights. Uh, what are some ways that uh, either those married or those with roommates that we can be people of peace in this in this season? Um, and maybe this is like, call me if you need that, uh, or like, you know, if, if we need marriage counseling. Um, so that, that's, um, one. And then, uh, but also fit within that is also, and this what's a similar, but different question is for a lot of our people who live alone, how can they manage, maybe it's not anger and getting into fights, but isolation, anxiety, and depression. How can we lean into relational peace, even in the midst of either being hyper close to people or we feel super separated? Yeah, it's hard because this season that we're in sort of magnifies um, all of those other things that were around us even before yeah. this crisis hit, but we, it was just easier to avoid it, right? So, you know, if, if my relationship with my wife was stressful, I could leave and I could go for a run really easily or, yeah. you know, stay at work late or do something to kind of avoid that relationship a little bit and then come in and engage and it would be okay, right? Relatively okay. Uh, or same with um, living alone, like the opposite is true, where I could um, go out to dinner, hang out with friends, or, um, you know, stay at work late, you name it, um, but yep. be with people. And I wasn't forced to really engage with the idea of like, oh, I, I need people. Or even if I thought yeah, that I didn't need people, I was more introverted, the knowledge of like, um, I like being alone, but like I still get these touches to fill me up. Um, and so like this really just heightens the things that were already there um, around us. Um, and so like, what do you do with that? You know, I think a piece of it is like what we've talked about today is just the idea of like acknowledging it first. Uh, and so if you live alone, acknowledging and going, man, I miss people or I need people. Right. Um, and then there's a choice to be made of like, well, what do I do with that? Because, um, you know, while as a community, at least with our church, we try to be intentional with connecting with people. Um, inevitably like someone will be missed, right? Or we won't, we won't know exactly how someone is, fe- someone is feeling. And so, um, you know, if, if you are in that spot, we are, my encouragement would be to like to, to reach out to someone and connect with someone. Yeah. And even if you, if you don't have someone to connect with Ryan uh, or someone else on our church team or, totally. or myself, you know, just to say like, Hey, like I need people, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. This sucks. On the flip side, you know, if you're married or you have roommates and you are stuck uh, in a, in a space with them and, um, you know, that's challenging. Um, I think the same is also true to to acknowledge, like that was hard for me today. This is challenging. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. instead of being kind of passive and avoiding it and going, Oh, today was fine. But you know, internally you feel your compass going like that was not fine for me. Uh, and so, um, acknowledging that. And then, you know, the practice of having hard conversations or challenging conversations, um, in a way that's like healthy, um, 
is a real art. And so if you are feeling, you know, frustrated towards someone, your instinct may be to engage right away and deal with it. And that may not be how that other person communicates. Um, Mm. And so to be cognizant of like how you feel and how the other person may respond. And um, sometimes that means having to take a step back and go, Hey, today was hard. Can we talk about it later? Right. To give that person a heads up, but also give yourself a chance to cool down um, can be healthy. Um, Or even for like, for me, I like my instinct is the opposite to recognize that something is off and then to kind of like put it off. Like I'll do it tomorrow. I'll talk about it at some point, but it really is just like avoidance. And so um, for me, I need the other check to go, okay, like I'm going to say something but I may need like a moment or a day or some time to talk about it or to think yeah. through it before I talk about it. Um, but That's that practice helpful. of hard conversations is hard. And, you know, from a, a, a Christian perspective, you know, I think coming into it with a, like an attitude or a heart of prayer and like praying about what it is that you'd like to say um, yeah. before you go into it can be helpful too. And just kind of centering your thoughts and, um, you know, adjusting your heart to maybe, um, emulate some of those like fruits of the spirit that like we talk about like trying to emulate that are like I feel at miserably you know all the time totally (laughs) yeah yeah no that's that's super helpful I there's so many things as yeah I I was like I just kept smiling as you talked through everything because so many of the conflicts that I've had uh with Erin over the past week and she's awesome but it you know that that it just brings out the little things within our personalities that, that grind against one another. And so many of mm-hmm. our little tiffs and spats and little, even little disagreements and stuff all boiled down to something that you said at one point or another uh, in that last answer. So that was uh, helpful. It's crazy how much just bringing what we're feeling to God before we do to our roommate or our spouse in that moment saves us from a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, one more question and then we'll wrap up. And so, so much of this has been, maybe for our families or um, ourselves um, and how we can care. Um, but how can we encourage others who are fearful or anxious in this moment? Um, we can't and we shouldn't just tell people to get over it um, or they'll like, you know, let go and let God kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So how can we be, um, to, to use the language that we've been using uh, pretty regularly here is uh, a uh, non-anxious presence or uh, a people of, of peace, of shalom, contagious shalom uh, in this moment. How can we engage with um, anxious and fearful people as we come mm. in contact with and being them ourselves, but more so how can we care for those uh, as we come in contact with them, whether that's over Zoom calls or, you know, talking to our neighbor across the street? Yeah. You know, the thing that comes to me and thinking about that is like this idea of like being intentional where, you know, previously we just talked about this idea of like, you know, we can't read other people's minds, so we don't know how everyone is doing and it's, it's impossible to, to recognize how everyone is feeling. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think the Lord like puts people on our hearts or on our minds at different times. And that may be a little clue or cue to go, I need to connect with this person and just see how they are. And um, while we don't know how, um, you know, our neighbor or a friend or a colleague or, you know, a family member may be feeling in that moment, I think the invitation to allow them to, um, to share what their experience is like um, is something that I think people are, are hungry for or long yeah. for, um, but are fearful of like doing themselves. And so if there's a piece of you inside that feels like you have capacity to do that, 
uh, and you have these little nudges towards people, specific people, um, I think is a really um, sweet gift that we can offer. Um, I love, there's a person, there's a family in our church who like, they, um, they put little like flyers on all their neighbor's doors with like a, um, like a Gmail address that was like their street, like block at gmail.com. And they just said, Hey, if you guys want like to talk or you need something, or you're just kind of like, um, you know, lonely or you name it, like, let's all like communicate and be together, uh, and help one another. And so just like that open invitation, I think is a really cool way of, um, allowing people the opportunity to engage with maybe the, the experience that they're having. Um, you know, in our city that we live in, it's, this is a place where like it's relationships are often about like, what can I get from you? Uh, rather than like, how can I just like care for you and get to know yeah, you? Yeah. And, uh, it's a place where you don't really have to engage with your neighbor. You can go into your parking space or your garage and walk into your house and, um, you can yeah, drive from disappear. your home to your work. Yeah. You just, you don't have to engage with the world really or people. And, um, I think this crisis that we're in magnifies that so much yeah. more and um, kind of ex- leaves us exposed to it. Um, and I think as people we're, we're called to engage with others, we are we're yeah. designed for people to engage with other people. And um, so how do we engage with others? Like I think reaching out and um, being intentional is a, a healthy practice that we could, yeah. we could uh, participate in. It's really good. Cool. Yeah, this has all been so helpful, uh, even for my own soul, and just a reminder of so many of the things that we need to return to uh, in the midst of the season. Um, and so, uh, Wally, thank you again uh, for your time. Uh, yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, um, thank you guys for listening. I hope this was helpful for you. If you have more questions, you can reach out uh, to me. And, and even if if I, you've got questions that are really good ones, I can always uh, connect you to Wally. Um, but um, please reach out to us. Um, We're here for you. We're praying for you in the midst of this season. Uh, We hope today was helpful. Go in peace.